So as we uh, think about what's next, I want you to uh, visualize for a second um, God's vision for life. Uh, God has a huge vision, not only for your life personally, but God has a vision for the life of your family, and God has a vision for the life of the church. And the thing that I've come to learn about God's vision is that it's always bigger than we can ever imagine. Would you agree with that? In fact, I had someone say to me one time, if we can do what we think God is asking in our own strength, then it's not from God. Because it takes God's strength, it takes God's partnership, it takes God's grace and God's power to accomplish what God is asking us to do. So this morning, as we're thinking about God's vision and what's next and, and what's coming on in our lives uh, individually and as a church, I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be stretched. In fact, we know that uh, not only does God stretch us in vision, but God also calls upon us to sacrifice in vision. Why does God ask us to sacrifice? Well, God saw that there was a chasm that existed between heaven and humanity. And God said, the only way that I'm going to be able to connect that brokenness again is through the cross of Calvary. And God, therefore, came into the world as Jesus with skin on and walked amongst us and showed us the way in which we are to relate to each other and also how we are to relate in our relationship back with God. And that is part of the vision that God has for us today. And because Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for God's vision to reconcile humanity with himself, God calls upon us to sacrifice too. Now, before you get wigged out, none of us likely will ever have to die on a cross. But what God is saying, though, is that we have to stir within ourselves the greatest level of love and commitment that we have to the kingdom's work, to the kingdom's life, to the kingdom's love. And the more we are connected with God in that process, the more that we love God, the more that we love each other, the more we will see the vision of God become a reality um, here, not only in our world, but also St. Paul. You see, when we put God first, we begin to see that the brokenness in our families, it gets reunited. When we put God first, uh, joy rises up. And those negative thoughts that so often we have a, a tendency to fall into, they, they go away. And we begin to see joy as the prevailing anecdote to the challenges that we see in life. When we put God first, love always wins. And that's the key that we need to see. And when we put God first in our life, our mission as followers of Jesus becomes crystal clear. So this is where I want to go today as we conclude this series of All In, is focusing upon that particular vision. Now God, I believe in my heart, and I know you believe it too, that God continuously has a renewing vision for the life of God's church. God does not call the church to be stagnant. God calls the church to be dynamic. The message that we proclaim is historically, uh, it will never change. It is life transforming. But the ways in which we are the church in the world every day, we've been learning 
changes. And God calls upon us to renew that. Here at St. Paul, we've made some priorities and we've said that the way that we're going to reconnect into our community is to engage in those partnerships within our local schools and, and also with senior adults and, and, and students and children. And through those partnerships in those local schools, we can see a huge thing happening. Why are we doing that? If we go back into the ancient portions uh, that began our faith in our Ju Judaism that connects us into our Christianity, we find out that connecting with the generations that are younger are so important. In fact, God says to Moses that that is such an important thing that we should never forget. And here's what is written uh, with what we find in, first Deut in Deuteronomy as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen to what it says. It says, attention Israel. We could just assume as to say, attention St. Paul. Attention Christians. God our God. Go, God the one and only. Love God your God with all of your heart. Love him with all that is in you. Love him with all that you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. And get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time that you get up in the morning to the time that you fall to bed at night. We are constantly to be sharing the love and the understanding and the relationship of God at all times of our lives, he is saying. He says, tie them on your hands and as your foreheads as a reminder and inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. We're learning how important it is that we raise up the next generation, that we understand that the faith is not ours to possess alone, but that we are to pass the faith on to those <clears throat> who come after us. This is so important, and, and we need to help this to be in front of us at, at all times. It says that our faith is not simply a one-on-one -on -one ticket punch to heaven, but what it says is that our faith is a mentoring piece, that we are to mentor each other. We are to mentor others. We are to pass along the love and the commitment and the faith of God into others that they too may see, and that once we begin to share our faith with all the persons we come in contact with, God's promise is that something will happen. Something will change. And I guarantee you, as I read the scriptures, we see that the world does change when those kinds of things happen. Deuteronomy 6 puts it right there, and it says that we have that obligation. That it's not a suggestion, it's not uh, something that we can just think about from time to time or some gimmick that we ought to promote as a church. But it says that wherever one is on that faith spectrum, whether you are a child, a student, or an older adult, it doesn't matter that we're to engage in those conversations and we're to have those conversations. But why is this so important? Why is it so important for us to know and to love God? Just think of what this means for us. Um, who, who better to mentor a child? Who better to tutor a child in our Tuesday Jumpstart uh, ministry? Who better to pour their life into the younger generation and middle-aged generation than the people of St. Paul? You've heard me share that, that the dynamics of our congregation, we're predominantly currently uh, retirees. So we have time to do that. We have time available that we're not working to pour into the next generation. So God has set us up beautifully as a church to do that. 
And it takes us to take those steps to make that possible. Although it's great to know that, that there are almost 24,000 people in a two to three mile radius of our campus, remember I said that those are people who have little or no faith affiliation uh, or to God's story at all. The question becomes that we must ask as Christians, what are we willing to do? What are we willing to do to go about this? What lengths are we willing to travel in order to make that number smaller, that our community, instead of being filled with 24,000 persons who don't know Jesus, Jesus, what can we do to make sure that every person in our community knows about the love of Jesus? We've had to ask some tough questions as churches and as leaders of churches, and those questions are, are constantly before us as we wrestle with these. Here's a few of them. How do we reach the younger generations whom we find absent from our churches across the country? In what ways will we strive to become more diverse, become more like our surrounding community that is filled with various ways of ethnicity and culture? What things are we doing that, that we just can't sustain anymore? And by letting them go, we can free up the resources to accomplish the new vision, the new ways in which God is calling us to do. These are the kinds of questions that we, the church of the 21st century, have got to constantly be asking ourselves. How can we do church differently? Uh, can we figure out a way to do it more than in just one location? Can it be something other than just in this building? We live stream in so many other different places in our community and states. We're beginning to take that turn to go outside of the building so that we can proclaim and live into the words of Deuteronomy 6. Now, let me tell you how much God really loves this church. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you drive on Highland Avenue, have you seen the Highland Park development that's coming up there? Who all has seen that so far? Okay, several of us, okay. See, that's, that's the development that's coming. This is how much God loves our church. This is how much God um, affirms the work that we're doing, that God is putting a couple of hundred homes to be developed right across the street from St. Paul. Now think about that. Think about the, 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 the intensity of what that means. It's that God sees the work in which we're involved with, that God's entrusting us with that community. Now here's what we've got to do. We've got to start thinking about how we're going to connect with that community. We need to start praying now for the individuals who will be buying those homes, who will be moving into those homes. We need to be praying about how we can be their church. We need to be praying about how we can share the love of God with the individuals who ultimately will be buying those homes. We can't wait until they're here. We've got to start that now. And I want to encourage us as a church family to start doing that. How can we start engaging the people who are yet to come. But here's usually what happens. When we start thinking bigger, when we start leaning into what God is asking us to do, let me tell you that the prevailing emotion that will come and try to snuff that out. Does anybody know what it is? It's fear. Fear has its way of, of raising it up. When you step out to try something new and you wonder if it's gonna work, Fear grabs a hold of your heart, and fear begins to create those doubts. Fear begins to create that, that uh, chafing that goes on inside of you that says, I don't know if I want to be invested in that. And it brings you back, and it makes you shrink instead of seeing the possibility 
of what God is asking. We cannot allow fear to overwhelm us. We cannot allow fear to overcome us. Our purpose and mission is too critical. And God looks at our fears and he says something like, God's from Jersey, forget about it, you know, okay? And God says, forget about those fears. And it's in those moments that we let those fears go that we discover the power of God. And we know that we have the ability to move ahead. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Paul says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Now let those words sink in for a second. Let them sink in that our God is infinitely able to do anything. And God wants to do everything inside of us and transform us that we can do. And God will take the dreams, anything that we can dream of. I don't know about you, but I know about me. Our staff always says, Bob, you dream too big. We can't follow it. And I've got to slow down and think about that. And some of those things are, are just like with you. We think about it. But I can dream some big dreams. I know you can dream some big dreams. We all can have big dreams. But God says that God can help us to bring those dreams into reality. You know, two years ago, God put on my heart and said, it's time for us to move into a second location. It's time for St. Paul to go into an area to connect with people who aren't connected with God at all. And through a, a wonderful gift through our annual conference, they gave us a campus. We call it our Druid campus. And we're still developing it. And we'll have an open house one day once all the work gets finished. But God placed that on our, on our hearts and said, it's time for us to see something new. And I want to share with you what Druid is all about. Take a look at this. Hey, th this is our Druid campus. I don't know if, uh, if everybody has driven by it yet, but it is on Druid Avenue, which is right behind Clearwater High School. Um, this building that you see and, and all the land that's here actually was given to us by our annual conference. The other thing that's really neat about this campus is that the annual conference has been the financial power behind all the renovations uh, that we currently are doing here, as well as the future stages of the things that we'll see um, as we uh, make our tour, and I'll point some of those things out. So outside of the light bill and the water bill, all the other expenses have been taken care of by the annual conference. So what we have inside of this building is really we're gonna house three different things. Uh, first of all is our open arms ministry, and you can see here by the sign. Uh, we've actually had a soft opening and, and moved everything over from our main campus to here. And the goal of this ministry is to reach out beyond the uh, Gulf to Bay area, just a little bit north, into a heavy community of our Latino brothers and sisters who um, have people that uh, are underfed, who are in need. And it's a logical step for us to use the feeding program of food and clothing and job services and all those things. The second thing that we have housed here at uh, the Druid campus is our woodworking ministry. And uh, as you know, that currently they build toys, they have other projects that they're working on. Um, lastly, uh, phase three of this campus will actually be in this part of the building back over here where you see the steeple, uh, the sanctuary. And that's where we're going to launch a, another church, a part of St. Paul, 
a multi-site into our community that will draw people that aren't being reached. So we're not reaching them at our um, main campus. The churches in this area aren't reaching them. And we want to use this church as a way to do that. So I hope that you'll join me as we go on this tour and you'll be excited about the work that we continue to do here at our Druid campus. One of the main features that we wanted to accomplish here at Druid was for the Peace of the Open Arms ministry. Uh, we actually had installed this brand new refrigerator freezer. It's a walk-in, it's a huge space that allows us to not only store um, produce and things that we're gonna hand out for that day, but long-term for meats and other products that we can hand out to the families who, who, are, who are in need. Fresh Expression is a way that we bring the gospel of Jesus to others, but outside the walls of the church. So um, a Fresh Expression could be done in a coffee shop, a donut shop, could even be done at a restaurant. But one of the things we wanna do here at at our Druid campus is to begin a fresh expression in the future uh, where we can partner with families who are located in our area and help them to begin to cook more nutritionally for themselves. So part of what we'll do is right here in this space, uh, this is a, a full service kitchen uh, that we have and the goal would be that we would gather people together, we would share some Bible verses, we should have some conversation about what we're learning about our relationships with God and then we move them into, let's say, a place like this, and we begin to show them how to prepare meals to feed their families. And what you're gonna see here is that, that we are partnering uh, with first responders and other ways in our community to manufacture wooden toys. Uh, why wooden toys? Well, a wooden toy is a way for us to connect with a child, especially a child who's in trauma, uh, or to bring some gift to a family that's in need. And, and by through the work of our hands and through the heart that goes into the production of these toys, we believe it's another expression, a fresh expression of the love of Jesus Christ. So I want to bring you into uh, what will be the sanctuary. This is phase three of this project here at Druid. And the goal for us is to establish another presence, another worshiping presence here in our community for St. Paul. So what we believe is that this is an opportunity for us to use this space here on the campus uh, through renovation and actually launch into bringing a church into the Latino community. This used to be a United Methodist Church. In uh, December, in fact, uh, Christmas Eve of 2016, this church closed. So it's been sitting dormant for two years. Why did it close? Because they lost sight of their vision. They lost sight of their purpose. They didn't understand their mission. And instead of reaching out into their community and instead of the body of people who worshiped here, connecting to make this church strong, they ended up dying. So what we see here is really an Easter story here in the fall. We see something that was dead that is now coming to life. And that is the purpose of the church, to take that which is dead and to bring new life. So you can see there's a lot of exciting things that we have planned at Druid, and, and, and that's what God is doing in us. So God is expanding our footprint, and God is uh, sending us in an area where we can reach folks that we're not reaching and other churches aren't reaching. And for, specifically, what we're going to be doing is reaching out into the Latino community, which is heavily populated there on the north end of Gulf to Bay. So God is making some great things that are, that are happening here. But before we can ever pursue God's visions and dreams for us, we have to be able to see it. 
Not with our physical eyes, but we have to see it with our spiritual eyes. We have to see it with our spiritual heart. So remember what the definition of faith is. The writer of Hebrews says, the definition of faith is the fundamental fact of existence that is this trust in God, this faith. It's the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The fact of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. But listen here. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word and what we see created by what we don't yet see. So the world, said, the world says that, is that seeing is believing, that we have to see it before we believe it. Faith is the opposite of that. Faith says that we have the courage and we have the trust in God that it's going to happen or it's there before we ever see it, before it ever comes into fruition. Long before we see growth, long before we see things happening, long before anything comes to our physical eyes, we trust that God is already making that possible. So I want you to imagine with me this morning to have eyes of faith that the Holy Spirit of God and God's presence in Jesus is working through us, that it's working through us in our community, that that same Holy Spirit is using our hands, our hearts, and our minds and everything. I want you to imagine um, how God's vision for the next step of our journey is going to inspire us to continue to dream that God's love for us will constantly be pushing us out into the world more and more, and God will be saying, quit waiting until you can see it with your physical eyes. Trust in me and have the faith. Imagine the spiritually homeless finding a place here at St. Paul and being a part of the family of God. And I want to tell you about, I'm going to change the name. I'm going to call her Mandy. Mandy came to our back to school Jubilee with her four children. Mandy didn't know God. She didn't know where to find Jesus. And she came to that back to school Jubilee. And it was at that moment because of the love that, that you all showered upon her, the love and the acceptance and continue to walk with her today that Mary has, or, or that Mandy has given her life back to Christ and that her children's lives are back to Christ. Why? Because we cared, because we washed her in love. The church is helping people what they can't get anywhere else. Through God's house, people get the joy, the hope, the faith, the, the, the love that they seek, that they so desperately need. And that's the renewed vision, the renewed vision that God is lifting up for us here at St. Paul. Now imagine with me for a second, young children and students and senior adults, imagine all generations working together as one family to be the lights of Jesus throughout the Clearwater Largo area. Imagine us going beyond the corners of Rosary and Highland. Imagine us going where people are rather than waiting for people to come to us. This is the final week of our All In series. It's the final week for us to, to know, and hopefully we're, we're bringing up the joy and the excitement of what it means to be a part of this next leg of this journey, the next 50 years that God has planned for St. Paul. Today is the day for us all to resurge our commitment, to be all in, to be excited about what God is doing, and to see the potential that's coming. Let me end with these words from Jeremiah. This is really important. 
the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet, and he was proclaiming to the people that, that there was destruction that was coming. And Jeremiah said that the Babylonians are going to come, and they're going to take your property. They're going to take your money. They're going to take all of your possessions. They're going to take your family, and that there's no hope. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to hear that from my spiritual leader. But Jeremiah is proclaiming that message. But what does Jeremiah do in the midst of that? He goes and he buys a piece of land that's right in the middle of the place where he says that the Babylonians are going to take over. Who in their right mind would do that? And Jeremiah was asked the question, why are you doing that? Why? He says, you are saying about this city, the sword, the famine, the plague, that it will be handed over to the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord God, the God of Israel says, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banished them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people. I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action that they will always fear me for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all of my heart and all of my soul. God is saying there is a new vision for the land. God is saying that I will bring harvest. God is saying that I will bring plenty. God is saying I will bring restoration. God is saying I will bring all of these things. And God says to us today that if we're living in a drought, if we're living in a desert, just trust in God and hope that God will do what God says. Jeremiah says that he bought the land because God told him to do it. And he says these words, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise that I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. And who's that righteous branch, folks? That's Jesus. And he will do what is just and right in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called the Lord our righteousness. St. Paul, family, God is good. And God's plans for us are not finished. God continues to drive us forward in a powerful way with joy and excitement. And yes, Today, God is all in.